So I want to clarify for the listener before we get going with this week's podcast, just in the interest of preserving some spoilers for folks who haven't seen Solo yet, I'm going to give you a couple of days quarter, and we're going to release this week's episode in two half portions rather than one big chunk. Exactly. So we'll tackle this week in a way where we do our standard 20 section and a review and a small little bit on news. And then we'll switch to spoiler news and we'll keep that as its own specific segment. So you don't even need to click play on that one bit uh, if you don't want to hire up any spoilers. They'll be very clearly labeled. Take a look in your queue right now on your smartphone. You'll see there's actually two brand new episodes that have just dropped at exactly the same time. This one is the spoiler friendly one. That is to say, it's spoiler safe. If you haven't seen Solo, keep listening to this episode. And if you have seen Solo, listen to this one and then carry on to the next. So we start off and Luke is on Dagobah and he decides he's going to leave to go help his friends. And Ben, Force Ghost Ben and Yoda are like more than ever emphatically imploring him not to do that. If you do that, you will be more at risk than ever of joining the dark side. This is exactly what Vader wants. Exactly. But he goes anyway and Obi-Wan calls him their last hope. But Yoda says, wait, there's another. But Luke leaves Dagobah. Meanwhile, back at Cloud City, Lando's kind of giving everybody the tour. It all seems like it's going to be good. This Cloud City spot is very strange. It's it's definitely like kind of off the grid, and they seem to be doing some some uh, operatives that uh, are are kind of being kept off the books, and that's suspicious. But nothing is really shady until Lando walks everybody to the dining room where stands. Lord Vader. Exactly. And so Lando has sold out the, the rebels to, to Darth Vader and the Empire. Uh, in this process, 3PO has been ripped apart as well. Uh, and Leia was pretty suspicious of Lando. And so having her, her opinions confirmed doesn't work well. Uh, Boba Fett is the one that located them down and was able to kind of pinpoint their location. And they actually got ahead of, they got there ahead of the Millennium Falcon. And Vader's been waiting there the entire time we find out. Han, hero as he is, tries to shoot Vader, but Force pulls the gun out of Han's hand. They then apprehend everybody and they take Han Solo in for torturing presumably to find information on where Skywalker is, although Han later reveals that they didn't even ask him any questions. It was really just brutal excitement. Exactly. Um, Leia tells Han she loves him as he's then frozen in carbonite. Uh, Luke arrives on uh, Cloud City as well and encounters Boba Fett, and there's a big shootout, and that's where we left off. Yep, that's where we left off. So there's our summary. It's really hitting the fan. Yeah, this is, uh, and I love the way this 20 actually ends because literally the scene is that, um, what's it called? Like that hydraulic door closure. And then it's Luke going up in the elevator right before the fight with Vader. So it's got such a great, satisfying end. And this is exactly what I was referring to, Colin, last time. And although you, you did make a good point in how there's three clear acts yes. in Empire Strikes Back. For me, although, yes, I definitely see that, the distinction is this, is that specific, like, we cut off our 20 perfectly when we have that, like, that hydraulic door. That's when I kind of see Bespin as being two different locations almost. That's fair. Because it's no longer bright... It is like everything is bad now. Yes, but I think that works symbolically too because yep. when they first arrive in Bespin and Cloud City, everything does seem like it's going to be a great haven. Like everything yeah. is white and like, oh, this place is going to be really good. My old friend who is kind of sleazy, he seems to be in a good mood. Is this going to be a kind and helpful place for us to hang out? And then as they uh, start to discover that there's actually uh, insidious things happening in Cloud City, like for example, their own... Uh, capture mm. uh 
the whole uh, atmosphere of Bespin gets darker for the viewer as well. So I don't necessarily think that's accidental. No, no, no. I, I don't think it's necessarily accidental either. It's just the way that, I guess, the reason why I haven't had that same sort of attachment to Cloud City. It just, for some reason, never resonated the same with me. How, uh, did, Boba, it, how did Boba Fett know Luke when he saw him? As soon as he sees Luke Skywalker around the corner, he starts shooting him. So two questions. How does he know that's Luke Skywalker? Unless there's like a wanted photograph somewhere, which is weird, because even Vader hasn't seen Luke Skywalker at this point. Even Vader hasn't seen Luke Skywalker at this point. That's weird. In the movies, I'm sure he has encountered Luke Skywalker, uh, and I believe the comics probably confirm that. Boba I, Fett I, too? Boba Fett knows Luke when he sees him? Cause uh, maybe. Luke's maybe been not. on Dagobah. Maybe, maybe not. I, I don't know. I know that there is a, the only things really filled in between uh, A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back are some comics. And there might be something that shows it. But if not, I mean, it's not unreasonable to see someone who is so clearly sneaking around quarter, corners and like maybe he sees the lightsaber on his belt. Yeah. Or it's just, it's, he so clearly doesn't belong. So why does he start shooting at him? He knows Vader wants him alive. I don't know. That's a good point. Maybe he's shooting uh, stun, but yeah. maybe he's <laughs> set his blasters from kill to stun. Right. Uh, but there's also one thing interesting back on talking about the kind of the darkness of that, uh, the carbonite freezing area. As Vader specifically even calls it, it says, this facility is crude. This facility is crude, but it should be adequate to freeze Skywalker for his journey to the Emperor. But it should be adequate to freeze Skywalker for his journey to the Emperor. I found that kind of interesting, too. Like, this, like I thought it was, like, him, him even recognizing, like, we're in, like the bowels of this place this is good this will work <laughs> yeah but just the very idea of that like they they want to capture luke do they really have to freeze him in carbonite just for a trip across the ocean i don't know uh i did a little bit of research on carbonite and uh really the main use for it uh, a long time ago even past this a long time ago <laughs> uh was for long-term travel when hyperspeed wasn't really a thing Oh, okay. And so it was a way to preserve people for long-term travel, but that doesn't really make sense. So I don't know. Maybe the reason is Vader's not able to transport Luke and he doesn't trust anyone to be able to do it unless Luke isn't frozen in carbonite. But I, I really, you're right. It doesn't really hold, it doesn't really make sense. How in the world can can Han stay alive in there with his mouth wide open? I have that as a take back. It's <laughs> a gape. Yeah, very specifically. You can even see like the cracks between his teeth. And so how it's been frozen around that. <laughs> yeah, like if they've got him hooked up to some kind of like oxygen thing nasally or whatever, like I don't know how he's breathing, but there doesn't appear to be any outline in the print of his horrified face on the carbonite surface. And also, how is he receiving, I mean, fluids? I guess there could be like an IV running into him. So it's... Do you have to change the water in the carbonite it's tablet? Like, it's like a cryogenic freezing almost. Like it's like a short-term hibernation. It's uh, it's gas, maybe Tabana gas, I don't know, because that's what they mine there. Uh, and it's like flash freezed and that's what it does to create like that kind of carbon like solid yeah and so i i that's all i that's a really all i really know about the process but i guess that for being such a considerable plot device in this the most popular star wars movie yeah i, I just don't think he necessarily needs to eat or breathe i think he's there's a lot of mystery around carbonite is what i'm trying to say yeah, and that's it's not really a thing that's ever been picked up again considering ah. how well, I was going to say, how, considering how much reuse, recycling there is of stuff in Star Wars, certainly not in a main movie has there ever been somebody frozen in carbonite. 
I will have to get back to that when it comes to my trivia. Oh, okay. <laughs> of course. I only have one trivia question for you. Today. Oh, really? I found it very tricky to find trivia questions. Okay, well, I've got I've got my several. Do you want to use yours now? Or? Yeah, I can ask you a, a trivia question. Sure. What organization does Leia assume Lando is part of, considering his imperial detachment? The Mining Guild? Yes, the Mining Guild. Ah. What is the Mining Guild? It sounds official. Uh, so that would be, I think that's part of the same sort of syndication that... Um, like, for example, like Kessel that we see in Solo. Yeah. Uh, the Pikes run that specific mine, but that would be part of the mining guild coordinated by the Empire. Uh, I don't know a ton on like mining and spices, but that's the way I interpret it, that it's essentially like the federation of different mines, and then there's the regulations. Right, and but it's, imply, with... it's impri- implied that it's totally private and that the Empire has their hands off the mining guild. Um. Yeah, okay, then maybe the privatization of it that if you're part of it, the Empire's not allowed because it is so dirty. But that's the, that is the thing that the Empire has so much gray area when dealing with like different parts of the galaxy. Like you have like, oh, the bounty hunters, but yes, they're used by your government. So yeah. there's a lot of gray area where you even you see like, um, well, I won't get into necessarily specifics with uh, with Solo, but there's some areas where it doesn't necessarily it's not as black and white well i mean they're self-serving as are most governments but certainly a totalitarian regime like you have to assume north korea has hired guns yeah i think it's more like it could be privatized sure but privatized because they pay off the empire for example right that's kind of the way i've seen i don't know a whole lot about the scenario so if someone knows a lot about the mining guild uh, from this current era, the Imperial era, and a long time ago in Galaxy Far, Far Away, please tweet us. In fact, it turns out not to be the case. He's not from the mining. No, he's not. He's, he's too small. He said, we're even smaller than that. We are so low on the radar. Which, I mean, ultimately is not true because the Empire knew exactly where he was and where to find him and how to use him. Well, not necessarily. Boba Fett's able to figure out that that's where they're going. But right. that's, I guess, the only real way. But he's able to figure out that that's where they're going to be able to beat them there somehow. I don't really know how that works, though. Another question about Boba Fett, and we can get into the announcement of his his solo movie, mm. so to speak, uh, coming up in a few minutes. But why does Boba Fett always leave his helmet on? Like, I think it's understood in the context of Star Wars, sometimes people who wear helmets exclusively wear their helmets because Vader always wears his helmet for health reasons. But... Like, Boba Fett is just a man inside that Mandalorian armor. He doesn't need to wear the helmet when he's he, walking around Bespin. He doesn't, and that's the thing. Is Boba Fett, and this is a great way of putting it, Boba Fett's in this fucking saga so little yeah. that it's not that he's just always wearing his helmet. He just doesn't have enough screen time to not wear the helmet. That's in so the, true. In the Clone Wars, he literally never wears the helmet once. There's actually going to be... Uh, there was an unreleased episode that was going to be part of the final season of The Clone Wars, and that would have been the one time where they re-released him, and it was like, going to be like a couple-episode saga, and he was going to be in his classic uniform for the first time. And they were going to show how the dent got happened to his helmet. And, and he painted it green. And they, Yeah, exactly. So, But it's just, yes, stolen Mandalorian armor. Well, even when he speaks, because he does a little bit of speaking in this particular movie when he's talking about it. He's Five very, lines total. He's very protective of Han because he, there's a lot of money riding on the return of Han Solo to Jabba the Hutt mm-hmm. via Boba Fett. So he's really nervous that the Empire is going to accidentally kill Han Solo. And he keeps referring to that mm. in this very, very thick Australian brogue. What if he doesn't survive? He's worth a lot to me. Mm. Like I could, I mean, I guess I knew it was there, but like it really stands out. Yeah, that's why the cl- that's why all the clones had to be <laughs> that same thick, thick voice. All, all the clones have Australian accents. Yeah, 
in Attack of the Clones, every stormtrooper has an Australian accent. Yes. Because the guy they hired to play Boba Fett in 1982 happened to have an Australian accent. Yep. And that's the route they went. Fabulous. I know, really. (laughs) (laughs) And D. Bradley Baker makes an excellent uh, voice during the Clone Wars and and Rebels for that. uh, Who is he? What's his affiliation? He's just a great, great voice actor. Has done a lot of the voices in the Clone Wars, uh, including all of the clones. (laughs) I saw on Reddit a couple of weeks ago, the the kid who played young Boba Fett Mm -hmm. uh, is grown up now. And he wears the armor at conventions and stuff. I saw that too. He's kind of beefy. Like he could never, they could never have him play Boba Fett in the movie. He just doesn't have the body type for it anymore. He played Boba Fett as like a 12-year-old. Yeah, that's true. But he, it's sweet that he's like, he's got a good sense of humor about that. And like he has a suit that fits him. Oh, I mean, it's amazing. I mean, I guess he can get invited to cons and stuff. But also like... There's money in that for him. Let's face it. If you're a kid and you get to play young Boba Fett, when you're an adult... You just tell people you're fucking Boba Fett. Oh, that's your line. <laughs> that's forever. all you do. I mean, the way it's Michael amazing. Michael Keaton does about Batman. Yeah, and he still keeps still. it as his own. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I would too. Yeah, no, that's fair. Uh, let me ask you my Padawan question. Okay. Uh, so, what is the name of Lando's bald cyborg sidekick? <laughs> I don't know. Really? You don't know this one? No. This one really is a Padawan question. No, I don't. It's not in the movie. Oh, it is. Lobot is such an old school character. Lobot. Lobot, yeah. No, I didn't know that. Is it? Is it a female? Nope. Uh, he couldn't do it again. No. <laughs> <laughs> can't go back. You can't replace somebody. Uh, do you want me to do my night question now? We'll yeah, say, sure. Save sure. the master one for a little bit. Sure. But Because uh, that would be the one I might get. Uh, maybe. No. Uh, I don't think so, seeing as we already discussed that you won't be getting it. Right, I'm not getting it. <laughs> Um, what are the pig-like creatures who throw around parts of C-3PO on Cloud City? <clears throat> I don't know, but they look like orcs, don't they? Uh, they're way smaller. Yeah, they kind of have elfin orc qualities. Yeah, some pointy ears. More yeah. like almost like goblins from Harry Potter. Totally. Yeah. yeah, a little bit like that mixed with almost like Gamorrean guards. What are they called? Uh, they're called Ugnaughts. I wanted to talk a little bit about that. I mean, it, we left off last time where 3PO kind of gets diverted from the rest of the group. He just, he, he follows the sounds of what he thinks are a, a droid that could be mm. um, R2. And he just kind of stumbles into this secret workshop yeah. where he gets blown to bits. And like, I understand being protective of like just wanderers, but like, who is this workman who just shouts, who are you? As soon as a protocol droid, a harmless protocol droid happens to wander in and just blows him, just obliterates any droid that wanders in. Yeah, that's probably not the best standard practice. No. You know, just let's blow up all of our own equipment. Well, and I also think that that Chewie got him back together at all. And, and never mind so easily. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Because when they show him in like a box with wires all over the place, I'm like, uh, that guy's written off. 3PO... Yeah, he's Rubio's done. He's pretty done. Yeah. yeah. But I mean I guess it's all he's kept in big pieces. It's like his legs, his hands, his torso, his head. Is there anything in the makeup of C3PO that could indicate to those who might not know already uh that he was built by boy Anakin Skywalker? I don't think so, no. You don't think there's any like like I would be sh- I don't think George Lucas knew that. So oh, I don't either. I don't either. But you mean I just something that they like retroactively put yeah. into C-3PO. Or I just put mean in, in the story. I don't mean yeah. like producerially. No. no, I don't think so. 
it's, I don't know. I don't know if it's necessary, but like part of me does want for there to be like a, a Vader face to face with three PO, where Vader just like knows who he is. I think it happens in a comic. Does it? Yeah, because I believe this is this is the only time Vader actually sees three PO is this scene. Oh, okay. I think it's the only time he sees him in the entire original trilogy. It looks very different. He's yeah, he's backwards and his head's broken. Yeah, and it's been all these years, yeah. and he has like a different shell on him. So yeah. like, there's no real reason for Vader to recognize that it's his droid. He does recognize him in a comic though. At one point, that's kind of weird. Yeah, the comics do great stuff in terms of filling in those little little gaps. Yeah, there were a couple of uh, cinematographical moments that really stood out to me. Uh, one is we cut back from Dagobah to Cloud City. And we see a bit of a Cloud City skyline with mm. Leia in the window. And I just, I wanted to ask you if that is an update to the franchise because it felt very prequely. Yeah, it was updated. It was superimposed. Yeah, there were some things that were changed. Certain yeah. things weren't, but yeah, they added some extra little CGI things. It looks a little coruscant It looks a little Padme in the window, of course. Oh yeah, they definitely are some serious uh, Coruscant connections with I liked Cloud it. City investment. Yeah, oh absolutely. And I like the way you describe it in terms of being so pristine and white and like a safe haven that is deceptive and that secretly it's, it's got not. this dark layer underneath. And the literally the, the great uh camera shot just before that, just before that, that Luke's X Wing white transition. Well, Luke taking off and the light from his his X Wing washes away force ghost ben kenobi and we just see yoda and blackness behind him and it's a beautiful shot it is super cool yeah. that is great and the, the the red glow afterwards totally yeah no and that's when you the the epic lines from yoda and obi-wan we have some good quotes we want to go over yeah definitely yoda is really really nervous in this yeah yoda and obi-wan have some good lines um, like Obi-Wan says, but you cannot control it. This is a dangerous time for you hmm. uh, when you will be tempted by the dark side of the force. And then Yoda's response being, yes, yes to Obi-Wan, you listen. The cave, <laughs> remember your failure at the cave, like almost like in a panic of like, ooh, listen to your, listen to your master. Yeah, that's he's, a good one. He's telling you to stay too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you choose the quick and easy path as Vader did, you will become an agent of evil. Oh, I know. That's such a Yoda line. Agent it of really evil is, is. is such an ominous way to describe it. Yeah, and, and that really is, it's it's a little over the top in saying that, like, you will. Like, it's, it's very much an absolute. Sorry, Siths and Jedi deal in absolutes. Obi-Wan, you were the biggest fucking culprit of this, too. Yeah. Why do you keep saying it? Well, and, I mean, he, he's not really indicating at all that he's trying to take the easy way out. He says explicitly, no. I'm coming back to finish my training, I promise. I just have to take an errand because my friends are in danger. Like, I don't really see why that's such an issue. No, I tend to I tend to agree. I mean, I think it's that they know he's going to die. And if they really, like, if he really cared the, for the big picture, he wouldn't sacrifice himself for them too, those two, because he's far more important to the galaxy so it's not so much about jedis need to be trained all at once and no. in sequestry it's about this is our only guy and we can't put him on the front line because it's too risky he's, yeah, he'll, he's just straight up gonna die yeah and they can sense the anger in him of his father although i did find it knowing the history of anakin skywalker i did find it interesting to hear him described in that way if you choose the quick and easy path mm. do we agree that anakin skywalker was 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 he portrayed in the prequels as trying to take shortcuts? He kind of did want to be on the Jedi Council as a master before he was entitled to be. Uh, no, he was definitely entitled <laughs> to be. He had a Padawan. He was the most one of the most famous 
Jedi in the entire galaxy. Yeah. He was the chosen one. Uh, he totally deserved to be So on. they kept him off the council because they were scared of him. Exactly. And that was ultimately, they had every right to be, but at the same time, them not trusting him is what made it so easy for him to turn. Hmm. Uh, and he was manipulated the entire time by Palpatine, so it's pretty hard to say that he took the easy way out, but he did it in the same way that he chose not to focus on the bigger picture of the galaxy, but to help the person that he loved, whereas Luke wants to go help the people he loves, even if it is bad for the rest of the galaxy. Oh, that's interesting. So it's that same parallel there. That is interesting. He was just looking to save Padme, which was ultimately virtuous, but it resulted in this horrific thing. Exactly. And Luke wants to do a good thing by saving his friends, but could have dire consequences. Mm. That is good writing. Yeah, it does work well there. And it's interesting because it's paralleling Empire and Revenge of the Sith. Yes. Which are two that you never really parallel. <laughs> Told you I did. Reckless is he now. Matters are worse. Obi-Wan says, that boy is our last hope. And as you mentioned in the recap, he says, no, there is another. And that must have been a big moment for viewers. Yeah, that must have been. This is really cool. And this is an aside, but I was watching, I forget the, the source and I apologize on this, but it was an older interview with Sam Witwer. And we'll chat about Sam Witwer in a little bit, but Sam Witwer has done some uh, some phenomenal voices. He was the the actor who portrayed Starkiller in the video game. Oh. Uh, he's done the voice of the Emperor and Darth Maul in Rebels and Clone Wars. It's just a career uh, Star Wars voice guy. Exactly. He's been working on Star Wars for like almost like 15 years. Yeah. But he's also one of the most knowledgeable people in the world on Star Wars. Oh, that's cool. He, Good for him. He is like a, like a frequent Star Wars trivia champ on like schmodowns that are done like with like collider and such and it's like he is incredible uh but i was watching this really great uh interview with him and he was talking about a buddy that he watched um star wars with he watched and they just watched it in a different order and i think they started off doing um like episode one like episode uh, like a new hope and then empire and then they did revenge of the sith because they didn't have time to do uh a new hope so the, uh, the Phantom Menace or Attack of the Clones. Mm -hmm. So they just did four, five, three, six. Okay. And so while watching Revenge of the Sith, while Padme's giving birth, he clues in and says, there is another? There is another? Yeah. Because he clues in at that specific point. And if you really, it's true that if you watch it in that order, whereas you save like, if you don't, if you do not know about the Luke, I am your father, like the no, I am your father moment. Yeah the different places in the saga that you can have that revelation. And it's really interesting. That's so interesting. Because like we all had it at Return of the Jedi, of course, but you can have the Luke and Leia revelation in Revenge of the Sith. You right. can have the Vader turning revelation and the fact that like, oh shit, Anakin didn't die after all. You can have that kind of same sort of revelation. It all depends on the order in which you watch the movies. Uh, and that's what's so cool. That's what's great about Star Wars. And I even heard he recommended, because he was on Clone Wars, he said to any kids out there, uh, their parents should start them on the Clone Wars. Yeah. And that's really interesting. If you learn about the Clone Wars, and then you get them to be attached to this Anakin character, who is their hero, and then they get to see 4 or 5, and they see who's this big bad Darth Vader, and then they find out it's Anakin. They also might be, really less, cool. they might be less inclined to have such a problem with the Anakin character in film if they already have this like wealth of understanding of him as a strong character. Like, yeah. like we only saw Anakin as this wimpy guy, 
but there wasn't all this background subtext of who he was. And if you go in with that understanding, you might be a little more forgiving to his softer moments. Well, absolutely. And the way I look at it is like Anakin for me, I have my top three favorite characters. I have my Yoda, my Han, and my Vader. But I have Anakin as like my fourth favorite character, like one of my favorite characters in all of Star Wars. And I would never say that because of the movies. But I have like almost 100 hours I've watched of Anakin in the Clone Wars mm-hmm. and like five hours of Hayden Christensen. Yeah. That is like the Clone Wars, Matt Lancer, Anakin is the one that I just, that resonates with me. Now you have the James Arnold Taylor and the Ewan McGregor Obi-Wan. James Arnold Taylor is just doing a Ewan McGregor impression. So it's the same Obi-Wan. It's like they're, it's okay. I, they're identical. It, it's exactly okay. It's great. Yeah. Um, and that's why I don't see them as different characters. But Matt Lancer corrects all of the bad things about Hayden Christensen's Anakin. Great. And they correct it with good writing and they correct it with like just good character development. Uh, and so, yeah, it, it definitely, it, it adds a lot. And it's interesting. It makes Anakin a character who, if you only watch the movies, sucks. But if you watch like all of these other mediums of Star Wars becomes really the character he always should have been. Now, uh, Darth Vader had a couple of really good quotes in this too. And one of them that stands out to me is, I am altering the deal Pray I don't alter it further. I am altering the deal. Pray I don't alter it any further. Which is an amazing Darth Vader. It's an iconic Darth Vader line. Yeah, that's a great one. Does that not show up in like Rogue One or somewhere else? Is this the only instance of that particular Vaderology? Uh, it is. I think you're probably getting like you're associating it to the line that he says to director Krennic when he says, don't choke on your aspirations. Maybe. He says it the exact same way. Yeah. Uh, in that sort of like... I'll leave it. I'm going to leave it up to you here, but don't test me. Yeah, don't. It, it, that's true. Both of them are threats of don't test me. Yeah, basically, like, you you push my buttons here. I'm going to let it slide, but I'm not the kind of person who lets it slide twice. Well, well, and a moment ago, uh, Lando's kind of confronting him a little bit. He's basically saying, like, stop screwing around. We had a deal. Don't be a barbarian. And then Vader turns around and he's like, do you have a problem with me? Mm. And Lando immediately cowers and he's like, no, sorry. No. <laughs> he really does. Which, I mean, I guess you would do because he's he's completely haunting. Can we uh, just say that it speaks to the charisma and charm and smoothness in general of Billy D. Williams that Lando Calrissian as a character after this movie isn't considered a straight up and down villain in Star Wars. I've done all I can. Sorry, I couldn't do better, but I got my own problems. Yeah. You're a real hero. Because he does nothing virtuous in this movie. That's not true. He only does one bad thing in this movie. That's the way I see it. And the one bad thing is really not that bad. (laughs) I don't know about that. Think, Think about it this way. You are in a position where... I don't know. Let's. I'm not going to use a real world example, but friggin' Darth Vader comes down and says, "Oh, I know about your little operation here. I also know who you have coming to see you. Lure them into a trap. If you don't, we'll shut down this operation, put these thousands of people out of work, and I'll kill you. Probably kill you. Yeah. Or you can sell out a guy you know who has found his way out of a million different terrible situations in the past, so that he can then, you know." That's true. And he doesn't say necessarily what he's going to do with Han. And he says that Leia and Chewie are going to be okay. 
And so... And he does seem genuinely sorry when he goes back to the apartment. Yeah, and he's pissed when he realizes what Vader's done and the fact that he got completely duped. I really love how that scene parallels with another one that happens in Solo, but we can chat about that in a a little bit. But it it does parallel quite nicely about Lando just not getting his way in an argument. You're right. (laughs) Yeah. I still think I still think it's very nicely done. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And and that's the thing is that's the reason why he's a character that we love. And Han does directly refer to him as his friend in this movie. He refers and to him as that a few times. He does, and like we still haven't really again, no spoilers, but we haven't really seen the background of that friendship totally fleshed out to the most warm of context yeah but that's the thing is maybe that's their friendship maybe that's always the way it's been however you do see some really great moments when they're like for example you see some good moments in revenge of the, uh, sorry return of the jedi not too many that's true but but that's after this yep any more quotes uh yeah i've got a few i mean the big one and the name of this episode is two simple words uh i don't know about that colin Yes, you have. I love you. I know. Yep. An amazing quote. It's iconic. It's, of course, iconic, but it is also said by two different people. So no, I was just going to call the episode I Know. I know. I figured I think that. that speaks to it. And it does speak to it. But there is also, we would be honored if you would join us. That is yeah. such a classic Vader. Yeah, it kind of is. That is such a badass. Like, and it's really, it's the only time he ever addresses Han, ever. Yeah, interesting. Ever. It's the only time there's ever an interaction between Vader and Han is that one right there. I mean, he's in the same room as him in like a couple of scenes around this, the torture scene and then the actual freezing scene. The only time he ever addresses him is right then and there. Yeah, that's not bad. I actually kind of glazed over that line. I oh, really? I, I never really realized it was iconic. In fact, although hearing you say it, it does sound great. Yeah, it definitely has some epic Vader elements to it. Right. Uh, what else is in here? Um, well, uh, I don't trust him either, but he's my friend. Besides... We'll soon be gone. Yeah. I'm just trying to reassure Leia because she's skeptical for all the right reasons. And she says, and you'll be gone soon too. Yep. And then there's that kind of pause where he's pondering his options. And Here's an interesting quote from 3PO uh, when he's kind of cussing out Chewbacca for having screwed his head on, head, wrong, head on wrong, which by the way, I think is out of character for 3PO to be, a, to be like mothy with Chewie. I don't know. He's mothy with R2 and... The only people he's not really mothy with are people who are his masters. And Chewie is a beast. Yep. So he would not respect Chewie, I don't think. He says, only an overgrown mop head like you would be stupid enough. And then he trails off. I had to scroll back and make sure he didn't call him a Muppet. He called him a mop head. But it sounded like a Muppet. Yeah, no, I didn't actually pick up on that specifically. Uh, What is the specific line? Uh, uh, Something's not right because now I can't see. Wait, wait. Oh my, what have you done? I'm backwards, you stupid furball. Only an overgrown <laughs> mop head like you would be stupid enough. And like trails off, yeah. Another Vader quote. Uh, I do not want the Emperor's prize damaged. We will test it on Captain Solo. Which, yes. Which refers to Luke. A couple of weird things about this line. Referring to Skywalker as the Emperor's prize and not his own. This is strictly him doing business for the mm-hmm. Emperor and there's no personal vested interest in in between Vader and Skywalker at all is kind of interesting. It's calling him a prize is creepy. It's almost like weird exposition that he's stating like, oh, it's for the Emperor. I'm not going to try and lure him into being my apprentice and overthrow the Emperor. Do you think he is planning that already? I don't. Absolutely. In 15 minutes, he offers Luke the opportunity to rule the galaxy with him. That's true. And also that is the Sith way. 
Yeah, like father and son. Yeah. Uh, the one, too. Overthrow the your master. Yeah, that's fair. And so he also knows that if he brings Luke to the emperor and he turns him, literally Luke's first task is kill Vader. Yep. Emperor will assign him that immediately because all Luke is is, oh, my God, really? Anakin with all of his limbs? <laughs> this is amazing. And younger. And younger. And, yeah. like not dead inside and not mad at me after all these years yeah just the new model yeah exactly throw your old iphone exactly and so that's that's, so interesting that's why the os is rejecting it so considering the the sithly tradition of killing your master and taking on an apprentice and there always being two which i know has its has its uh asterisks throughout the many iterations of star wars yes and no the general rule of two that everybody understands considering the tradition is always kill your master Mm -hmm. how come masters are never ready for that or is it that in some cases they are and they win? You have to, be- in fact, best your... Is it understood in the vernacular of Sith? Like someday I'm going to overthrow you or I'm going to try. Is that like an open thing? Or is it that Sith Lords, Sith Masters are so egotistical that they think they'll be the exception? That's the one. That's the way I always saw it as is they're blinded by the fact that they've achieved so much power. Yeah. And I also reflect... And one of my favorite lines in all of Star Wars now is the line that Yoda says in The Last Jedi is, we are what they grow beyond. Yeah. And I love that line. And I think it's great in the sense that every Sith and every Jedi, for example, like every Sith master and every Jedi master is going to train an apprentice who will one day know more than they do and have greater power than they will. Yeah. So in the instance of a Sith, because you're killing your masters, there are only ever two. And so you are the most, in your head almost, the most powerful Sith of all time. Yeah. Because the Sith before you killed the Sith before him. Right. Who killed the Sith before him. And so you create this like... Russian doll thing in your head. Yeah, whereas you are the grandest of them all. And you are the most powerful. And then there's that obsession. And then there's obviously some form of the fears that led you down the dark path that you likely build up more and more. And so I think it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a house of cards yeah. that eventually just becomes too high. The we are what they grow beyond line is amazing. It is. The whole speech is amazing. I think, I, in, it, this is speaking of Yoda dialogue, so just hear me out. I think that line is too good for Star Wars. I think I think it's like I think it's a it sounds almost like Steinbeck. It's like it's it doesn't it's as good as Yoda's dialogue tends to be. It's like it's still pretty literal generally That's speaking true. and like that is this like it's like he's reciting something. Yeah, that is fair. But it's beautiful. It is. It is. It's so great. And it doesn't seem too out of Yoda's character. No, it's fine. It's fitting for Yoda even if it is more I don't know, eloquent than Yoda generally is. Right. Uh, one thing I wanted to take back, uh, after they've sealed Han in the carbon freeze, uh, it's Lando who gets down kind of on his knees and mm-hmm. like holds his ear up to the, the frozen Han Solo, and he's like, he's alive. And I'm like, how do you know? Do you, just by looking at this frozen thing, you can tell that he's alive in there? Well, it's the thing that Star Wars... It's, I don't know why they've chosen to go this way, but they don't have, there's only a couple instances, and I mentioned this, I think, before one time, how there's a couple instances in all of Star Wars lore where you can see, like, actual, like, English characters or, like, standard, I don't know what the actual alphabet is called. What's their alphabet called? That's terrible. Romans? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, okay, that's not as bad then. Uh, but anyway, so seeing, like, standard sort of like, English characters, um, but, like, even, like, C-3PO, for example. 
that sh- that name shouldn't exist in the Star Wars universe right. because the letters C and three and P and O don't exist. That's right. In the same sort of way, uh, and they're not represented in the same like le- letter look. And they so, refer to Brandy in Solo, and I was like, Brandy exists. That was actually interesting because um, that specific location, uh, Savarine, which is the location, it's they're known for their brandy. It's the only, it's the only thing that right. good that comes out of that planet. It is such a wasteland otherwise. Brandy. Yeah. All right. So it does exist. Yeah. It was kind of interesting that, that, uh, that was one point that, that was picked up on. Um, but yeah, what were we talking about? Uh, just about the, uh, the carbonite and how did he recognize that oh, he was alive? You, anyway, exactly. Uh, there would be numbers that you would have in that little digital panel on the side of I guess. the carbonite. But because they put themselves in the position where, oh shit, we don't have actual numbers, they couldn't do the same thing because they have these weird characters instead. Yeah. And there also could just be like a little Wi-Fi symbol or something on, on the digits of the, you know, on the control panel of that, that thing. You know what I mean? Like, oh, this thing says he's alive. Yeah, there could definitely be something that's a little better. Like, they could have, like, a tablet or something that's connected. Like, presumably there would be some kind of, like, vitals uh, yeah. r- machine that would tell if the creature that's sealed inside here is no longer alive. Because it is, like, computer-esque. Yeah, there is da- there's some form of computerized, uh, like, tracker on the side. Any more observations you want to make about this 20? A uh, couple small things. Uh, Obi-Wan's weird hand gestures when he says, Luke, don't give in to hate. That leads to the dark side. Yeah. First of all, terrible line. Yep. But he also puts his hand up like, no, don't shoot. <laughs> <laughs> it looks really, really weird. We got a bad has over and here. He's from like a distance. I don't know. It just, it just stood out and it edited weird. I know Luke it has shows been Alec Guinness only being on set for four hours that he's day. He's been learning a lot about the Force in the in the time we haven't witnessed. But mm-hmm. I sort of, I sort of find it jarring that he's so cool with Ben just. Uh, inspiring out of nowhere like up to this point he's only ever envisioned him once and it was in his delirium on hoth and so like it's one thing for him to hear his voice in his head but to just see a sudden force ghost of ben and he doesn't flinch he's like oh what's up you must not go but han and leia will die if i don't you don't know that even yoda cannot see their fate but i can help them yeah i know that is definitely something that should have it should have been picked up on really though because yeah. he, he's not surprised by it in the way he should be now he does see a glimmer of him on hoth but like i said but he's delirious but exactly so he's not really in it uh there is one interesting thing though luke does say that he's learned so much since the cave so that does imply and we've chatted about this before that maybe time does move slower on dagobah yep and that luke has been there for a very long time Think and potentially he has seen obi-wan a few times i know but and it seems like we could have known that. Yeah, we could have. But And that's one of the things that's picked up on now and would be criticized in a Star Wars movie now. Right. But they can get away with because of the time and the resources and the fact that this was the second one. Yep, that that's right. A uh, couple other small little things. Uh, oh, I'll ask you my master question right now. Okay. Can you name three other characters in Star Wars who have been frozen in carbonite? <laughs> No, no, I can't. Let me can, see. Can you name one? Can you give me a hint? Can you guess? Can I make a guess about someone? Are we talking prequel era? Uh, guess the medium as well. Uh, the medium? Guess the guess the yeah the when, series. When does it happen? What? To... Uh, how about that uh, Padme bodyguard from Phantom Menace who wears the flappy hat? <laughs> 
<laughs> you could have gone with Obi-Wan or Anakin. <laughs> Flappy hat bodyguard from Phantom Menace. Yeah. Uh, Obi-Wan. Locking my answer in. Final answer. <laughs> uh, so Obi-Wan, Anakin, uh, Ahsoka, Rex, Cody, Echo, and Fives. They all get frozen? So how it works is... Uh, I don't remember whether it was a Plo Koon plan or there were there. Anyway, it's this episode of, of the Clone Wars and it's called the Citadel mm-hmm. and it's probably, it's probably, it's, it's definitely top five of all Clone Wars episodes for me. I yeah. love it. Uh, we get Tarkin in it as well. So it's like, it's really cool. Uh, and so they go in to rescue uh, Jedi master Peel, and in the process, the only way that they can get past um, the blockade is for their ship to not show any life forms. Yeah. So they need to freeze themselves in carbonite so that they're not registered as a life form on the ship. It's interesting. You said Anakin is part of that crew. Yep. That gives some backstory to him choosing to, yep. to freeze Han Solo. He's not worried at all that Han's going to die in there. He has an experience. He has a history. With He's this- frozen himself. Yeah. yeah. So that, that's why I thought that was like a really cool point. That's uh, that's a strategic backstory. I think they were smart. Well, the Clone Wars has tons of that stuff. Yeah, and that's why I love it. Um, what else is in here? Do you like Clone Wars or Rebels better? Uh, loved them both so so much. Rebels, Rebels, Rebels. I preferred. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Kanan was one of my favorite characters in all of Star Wars. Um, the way they did Thrawn, so many. It just it, Rebels expanded the universe in ways that I loved. The only other thing I wanted to mention is that uh, Lando gets a little message on his smartwatch, and that smartwatch is brutal. That yeah, comes it's, straight, pr- it's pretty straight, terrible. Straight from a box of corn pops. It's a terrible, terrible piece of technology that has to go back to the drawing board. And that needs to be a take back, for sure. Yeah. Um, I think that's, for the most part, covering what we can. There's plenty more to say, so let's let's move on. Yeah, let's let's shift on to the, the non-spoiler parts of the solo review. Just after we put up the podcast last week, they announced they're going to do a Boba Fett standalone movie, which is a little perplexing. So we don't really know tons of information on it. No. So it's only really been just kind of mentioned that it's going to happen. It's going to be director James Mangold, who did Logan, which definitely puts things in a, in a positive spin. He didn't just do Logan, but he did like... Yeah. Wolverine origins and like he's he's done a lot of like uh, nerd culture things he's he's definitely a good writer director and yeah. it, for the, him to have I, I think he was a good hire yeah in terms of having someone who's had a recent success that's good to put the Star Wars fan base in, in a calming spot because one thing that's interesting is they're not going to want the Ryan Johnson movies anytime soon. Nope. The Star Wars fan base really needs to be united by something. And I, and I have, I have something I want to talk about a little bit later in this boiler one. I'll mention uh, kind of my predictions on what I think the the next movies will be over the, over the coming like 12 years or so. And like the order based on just based on the information that we know now, just kind of like as a fun little bit. Yeah. Uh, but I think the Boba Fett movie, it could be interesting. Um, I don't really want to share too much about what my thoughts could be because some of them are based on Solo, but I don't like it initially. I don't like the concept of doing a Boba Fett movie. Because the character is only popular because of his armor and because action figures were cool in the 80s. And exactly. There's no story. And we already got the origin story in Attack of the Clones. Exactly. But I think Boba Fett is a character that absolutely could come back as part of a really strong ensemble. Right. That's one thing I will say is... There could be like this could not be a Boba Fett movie the way that this is like a, like it's Solo was a Han Solo movie, 
But if you scale that back a little bit, whereas you treated it more like a Rogue One instance, where maybe Boba Fett's is kind of like the Jyn Erso of the crew, but maybe not even as much, but one that's a little bit more of an ensemble-based one, where Boba Fett doesn't need to be as much of a focus, and you can develop some other really important characters. But it has the same difficult task of Solo, and in fact even more so, in that they have to take this person who is fundamentally very flawed and has a terrible dark side, and try and make a human out of that, like make a sympathetic person. And sometimes you run the risk of compromising the brutality of the character that you've created otherworldly. Does that make sense? Yeah, I don't necessarily agree though. I think you can do it in a way that is not making him more humanistic. There was an episode of The Clone Wars where Boba Fett is very okay with kidnapping an innocent little girl. Yeah. And uh, Ventress, for example... Um, locks Boba Fett up because he's okay with continuing the mission no matter what the tar- no matter what the target is. Ventress, who's developing kind of a moral conscience at this point after being out of the thumb of Count Dooku, uh, decides, you know what? I'm going to lock up Boba Fett, send him as the grand prize to our our uh, our hires, and I'll let this little girl go. So like Boba Fett is he's as cold-blooded as they come they can't humanize them they really can't you're right in saying that that would definitely compromise the character do we do youthful boba fett like like 20 years old he's going through his rajal ghoul bounty hunter training no boba fett's been a bounty hunter since he was like 12 okay um and i think we do it whereas yeah he can be like really would depend on what kind of era you do want to do it and you could do it where it's post return of the jedi because he lives through the sarlacc pit and crawls out you could do it around the the solo timeline which could make sense uh, but let's get into that in, into that stuff a little bit more because uh, i have some some interesting thoughts on the boba fett movie pertaining to what we learned from solo okay so that'll be in the next episode this is a, a, a solo topic that's completely spoiler safe uh, the fact that the the movie hasn't done as well as they hoped it would commercially. Yeah, so 103 million or so in the U.S. and 168 million worldwide, and this is for the four day weekend, right. not even just the three days. And now, so I want like half of what they expected. Well, but no, it's not because what I heard in the radio today, which was very frustrating, was a conflation of the two projections. I had heard they made 103 million dollars. They wanted they were going for 300 they were going for 300 worldwide they were going for 100 150 domestic yes so they were only about 45 to 50 million dollars below worldwide goal not necessarily because generally the rating like the projection that was at like 170 at one point that was i believe for the three-day weekend yeah because that's and but this was for the four-day weekend so the three-day weekend for solo only got 89 million Okay. So 89 versus 170 is almost like it's just over half. I wish we wouldn't talk about it like it's a travesty, like these articles about like, does Disney have to rethink their Star Wars movie a year model? Do they have to go back to the drawing board? Do they have to sell it to Fox? Like, <laughs> well, that's it, ridiculous. I know. But like, it, it's it's not, it's fine. It's going to make his money back. It already has. And uh, it hasn't made its money back. Are you sure between presale and no, not no. even close. It was one of how those much six. money did they spend on? They must they couldn't have spent more than one hundred fifty million dollars on a movie. Uh, let me look at that up. All right, um, I just don't I don't think it's a bad thing for it not to make a billion dollars in its opening weekend. I think that this is going to happen. Yeah, there's a lot of them. One of the big distinctions is this is the shortest amount of time we've had to wait for a Star Wars movie 
in history. Do you hear me say that? Two, two Star Wars movies, a Star Wars movie has never opened so close to another Star Wars movie. Yeah, and no, that so makes... there's that. There's also the fact that most people don't go to the movies every three weeks like I do. And so if they just went to Infinity War and Deadpool, they're going to wait a couple of weeks to see Solo. And there's the general narrative of snottiness around this movie. Well, yeah, no, this is coming out after The Last Jedi, which was so divisive. Yep. And this is one that a lot of people didn't think need to be made. And then every other reason that you just said about how the fact that it's way too close together. Yeah. They should have stuck with Christmas. Yeah. Uh, it would have given them extra time to maybe polish some of the rougher edges. Uh, I did look it up, though. The bud, the projected is close to 300 million it cost them to make it okay so they are just like biting at the heels of that money they're going to make it back tonight or tomorrow no they still have another like 130 million dollars they don't you said that between the 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 domestic box office and the overseas box office it's at like 250 million dollars no it's at 168 oh okay yeah, I misheard so, you then. Oh, sorry about that. No, it's 168. So they still have a decent amount to go left. They'll be fine. Oh, yeah. Th- they'll still make their money back. Yes. But when you think about how profitable even Rogue One was, this will definitely make them think twice about putting movies so close together. Maybe that's a good thing. I think that's a great thing. Yeah. I don't see that as a bad thing at all. No. Uh, and in all honesty, I think this will accelerate the Kenobi movie. Yeah, maybe. I'll talk about that again in a little bit, but I definitely think that will this will accelerate the Kenobi movie, and it needs to happen for one reason and one reason only. The fans need to be on one side. Right. And that is the only thing that can absolutely get fans on the same side because Episode Nine will have some people still like on the outs, and then there's a movie that's going to come the year after. Make it Kenobi. Do you have anything else you wanted to say before we move into our spoiler episode? Yeah, just a couple small things. Um, I figured we could... Um, okay, well, let me put it this way. Uh, I'd say Solo's, for me, is like a 7 out of 10. Uh, I don't know what you would what you would do, but... Yeah, I'd uh, give it a 7 out of 10. Yeah, do you, that's fair. I, I, I thought maybe the better way to rank, to, I guess, position Solo and what we thought of it was ranking it against the other movies. So okay. I, I, I ranked my all of my Star Wars movies. Okay. Um, so number you, you asked me to do that too, and I didn't do it. You, you, okay, I apologize. I <laughs> that's forgot. that's fine. Yeah, uh, but I do my Star Wars movies in like chunks. Okay, because everybody's th- like your rankings always going to change. Yep. But I do it in little sections because it's pretty rare things will change within the section. Yeah. So first chunk number one is Empire. Number two is New Hope. Okay. So that's that's the top. That's my big. That's the group that is always my one two. Yeah. Uh, after that, third is the Force Awakens. Fourth is Return of the Jedi. Fifth is The Last Jedi. I think I'm, I'm agreeing with you 100% so far anyway. Those like those three are clumped together. Yeah. Uh, and then probably the biggest jump between like different groupings would be between The Last Jedi and Revenge of the Sith, which I would have next. Then I would have Solo. And then I would have Rogue One. And then I would do another jump down to Attack of the Clones and The Phantom Menace. And then another jump down to The Clone Wars animated dog shit movie. <laughs> I think the only difference I would have is that I would flip Rogue One and Solo. I think I liked Rogue One better than Solo. Okay, that's fair. The only reason why I had Rogue One behind Solo and Rogue One has a way better moment. Yeah. Uh, but the reason why I have Revenge of the Sith above both of those is when you think of like the the key moments, Revenge of the Sith has a ton of awesome moments. Rogue One has one awesome moment. Yeah. Solo doesn't have any awesome moments like the same as the Darth Vader scene in Rogue One. But it has some incredible moments that just overall make an experience that would make me want to watch Solo probably eight times out of ten if you gave me ten movies to watch between Rogue One and Solo. And I don't I, exactly, I, I, I don't exactly agree. There are a couple of jaw droppers in Solo. Well, yeah, there are, there yeah. are. But when it comes to 
if you made me rank all of my favorite scenes in all of Star Wars, yeah. the Rogue One Vader scene is in my top five. Easily. Yeah. Uh, Easily. Anakin, You Were My Brother is in my top five. Easily. There's nothing in Solo that's in my top five. Fair enough. Whereas those two have a lot of flaws as movies as well as Solo does. Solo does not have one of those moments that those other two do. Okay. Uh, but I did wedge it in the middle because I do think it has a lot of great watchability potential. Okay, so we're going to move on to spoilers now, which means you've got another episode to listen to, but only once you've seen Solo. If you're going to take a break and go to the movies, that's fine. Send us your thoughts on this podcast on Twitter at Recorder66 or email us at Recorder66 at gmail.com. Uh, one more fun little thing before we switch to the spoilers is Billy D. Williams. Apparently, he's been spotted getting in shape and eating better. So <laughs> That let, is very encouraging. Let's hope we see him in episode nine. Not surprising at all. Uh, okay, turn over to the next episode if you've seen Solo. Uh, in the meantime, may the force be with you. Bye.